an event occurred on the London Bridge. I mean, like, wow, what, what's happening in our world? I can't even have a, a peaceful time around the world for anything. There's, there's all kind of trouble happening every day in our world. There's abuse in all forms all over the world happening. Uh, corruption in government, not just the United States government, but in governments around the world. You see some of these governments taking aid that's supposed to be intended for the people, and they, and they, they hold it. They, they let the people live in poverty. Epidemics in society, we have all kinds of epidemics. There's opioid addiction. There's human trafficking. There are so many things that happen in our world that are just so painful and so dark. But yet you need a future. You need, a, you need hope. And with, that, with hope comes the future. God has given you a bright future by the hope that comes in Jesus Christ. You know, in, in, in this time in Israel, when Isaiah is giving this, God had a plan and they couldn't see it. Uh, all the way from the first sin of, that man entered the world, from the very first sin when man entered the, the man Adam and Eve are in the world, and then they sin, sin enters the world. Now there's a problem. God says, I, "I will not let the guilty go unpunished." He says that the soul that sins it must die. So he has to follow through, and he brings and removes Adam and Eve from the garden. He separates them. They they go through a death, separation from God, and so he he has to fulfill his word. But yet, in the middle of that fulfillment of his word, he provides hope. And look what he says here. He says in Genesis 3.15, he has just given the condemnation that the death has now entered the picture. And he says, and I will put enmity between you. He's talking to, to the serpent, Satan. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. And he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So from the very beginning when sin enters the picture, God throws out the promise that the offspring of the woman, Jesus, is coming. He's telling you the Messiah is coming, that there will be a man that's going to come, and he will crush the head of the serpent. I mean, literally, crush him. But he will strike the heel of the offspring. And so this is what Jesus did on the cross. He he crushed Satan. It was over. Satan, he killed him. But Satan took his, sunk his teeth into the hill, didn't he? Jesus dies on the cross. And for three days, Satan thinks he's going to win, doesn't he? But thank God Sunday came, amen? It's like he rose from the grave and everything changed. And now there's victory and now we have the hope because of Christ. But that promise was given thousands of years before Isaiah arrives on the scene. Then Isaiah comes in, in 700 B.C. and look what he says here. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The Lord is going to give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel. So you have 700 years before Jesus arrives on the scene. We see this is prophesied. There were long, difficult days. There was darkness. There was hope for a Messiah to come, and it helped them through their wait. They kept waiting and waiting and waiting. And if they didn't have the hope, there would be nothing. you wouldn't have anything to wait for. So hope helped them get through the darkness, help them get through the times. And today in your life, you still have periods of wondering and waiting. I still have periods of wondering and waiting. How many times have we questioned, God, what are you doing? God, what's going on in my life? And we don't understand what he's, going, what he's doing. But when you have hope in Christ, we don't have to necessarily figure out all of these circumstances because we may never figure out these circumstances. But we have the hope. 
the hope that Christ is working, the hope that he's here, that he'll never leave us, that he'll never forsake us. That is the hope that Christ brings to you. Um, I want you to think about this. Maybe you're waiting in a situation today for a financial situation. Maybe you're waiting for someone to love you. Maybe you're waiting for a good job. Maybe you're waiting for um, any number of things that just are broken right now. I want, I want you to know that there's hope in Christ. There's hope in Christ. I, he doesn't promise to give you what you want. God knows you way better than you know yourself. Now think about this. God knows what you need more than you know what you need. And he says, I have this whole thing figured out. And he wants you to place your hope in him and to come to him. And as you come to him and you place your hope in him, now you can go and you can continue the wait. The next thing is that hope in Christ helps you to keep going. It helps you to not quit. You continue to move forward because your hope is in Christ and not in a man, not in a woman, not in a job, not in a place, not even in a church. It is in Jesus Christ. And when you place your hope in Christ, that says, I can get up tomorrow even though I didn't sleep well last night. Like I can get up and I can keep moving. I can go and I can take the next step. Consider the Magi. The Magi came to see Jesus. You know, uh, whenever we have the manger scene and you have the pageantry, in comes Mary and Joseph, then come the shepherds, then they bring in all those kings and the Magi, the three wise men, right? Uh, When you think of the wise men, understand that most scholars believe that they came two years later, about two years later. Why? Because look over here in... In Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now they, they came from the east. Most scholars believe that that was probably from uh, Assyria, Babylon, Persia, areas like that, about a thousand miles journey. A thousand miles journey. And it was on camel, folks. This isn't like they took a plane over to Israel. They came over a thousand mile journey on camel, brought their entourage over. And this is so important. Why is the Magi so important? There's a couple reasons that it's important. Number one, it was fulfillment of prophecy. Like Isaiah even includes it in his prophecy. Isaiah 60 verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness covers the people. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light. There it is. There, you can see the Magi coming here. That the nations shall come to your light. The kings, to the, bright, the kings will come to the brightness of your rising. They will come to your radiance. And so what he's saying here is that there's this good news that this Messiah was going to come, and it will be for all, be for all nations. And so the Magi are included in that. And they come a thousand miles from from Babylon or Persia. And, and so these people were, why would they follow a star? Why would they come? Well, they came because they needed hope. Uh, they said, he says, we saw the star, Matthew 2, 2. We saw the star in the east and we have come to worship him. That, that's why we came, because we came to worship him. And well, why would you follow a star? Well, these people, they were, they, the Magi, they were known as pagan, uh, 
philosophers, magicians, astrologers, if you will, and they would study everything. They were brilliant, brilliant people. And these brilliant people no doubt knew some of these prophecies. And if, if you go over to Numbers twenty four seventeen, I wonder if the Magi had read this. Because this was already written at this point. So they came in and they, the people of Israel were under exile by the Babylonians and the Persians. And so they, these very wise people would have been studying these things, right? So as they're studying these scriptures, they would have saw this. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. That's Israel. And a scepter shall rise out of Israel. Like, like they get to see this. And so they start to follow the star. They come on a two-year journey. And imagine every day getting up and following the star. Following it. Why did they follow it? Because there was hope. And God gave them hope. And they had hope in the future. And God gave them hope to continue to go forward. That's what God does. I want you to think about long journeys in your life. And think about how that you need hope. You have to have God to be able to go on that journey of hope. Uh, yesterday, we celebrated with the Sherevons their 50th wedding anniversary. Rich and Liz are here. Would you stand up? I want to recognize them. 50 years. Would you stand up? Yeah, let's thank them. 50 years of marriage, man. That's incredible. Okay? That's awesome. And they don't look a day over 25 years married. So they are wonderful people. But I'll tell you what, if you, if you hang around with Rich and Liz, I'm sure the longer they would tell you about marriage and getting, getting to be married 50 years, God has a big part of that. Like you have to have hope to be married 50 years. Uh, listen, when I was young and getting married, thinking about 50 years scared the living daylights out of me. And now I'm kind of like, all right, we're halfway there. I think... We'll pull that off, right? But you have hope. And I thank God for people like you, Rich and Liz. Thank you. Wonderful people who love the Lord over here. But think about this. When you have hope, you have hope you can go forward. You can say, okay, here's the next step in the journey. I can make the next day. I can move forward. And we only can get that not by changing circumstances. Your circumstance may change or may not. Things may get better, but when there's darkness, you can look to the light. This time of year is tough for many people. It really is. Um, there's a lot, of, a lot of memories starting to float around right now. Maybe you have some good memories when you were a kid. Maybe you have some bad memories of a kid. Maybe you have some expectations. Maybe you're suffering with some serious pain right now, like Things just aren't working the way they're supposed to work. In your relationship, you're getting ready to go to Christmas and you're just like brokenhearted. Maybe your job, like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm going through this holiday season, but I'm just really hurting right now. Um, your kids, maybe things are going crazy. I talked to one man who shared with me about his family. He said, man, his kids just went whack, like berserk. He said, I have hope in Christ. He said, I have no other hope. Like, there's nothing else that I can do. I've done everything. I've tried everything. And I've done everything to salvage my kid. And it's driving these people crazy. And they're losing sleep. And they're, they're, they're in pain. They're in torment. But they said, I have hope in Jesus Christ. 
And you see, folks, that is the rock. He calls himself the rock all over the scripture. And when you can place your hope in Jesus Christ, you can have whatever ailment comes your way. It can be physical, it can be financial, it can be relational. And you can be able to move through this thing of life because there's light. You know, right now it gets dark, I think, about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Have you noticed that? It drives me insane. I, I miss, you know, summertime when you could go out till 9 o'clock and still get a suntan. Right now it's like, this is crazy. And so what, what I noticed is like in December we all put up Christmas lights. And I've got to have them. Because I need light. Like, it's just so dark. And if you don't have light, it's just so dark, isn't it? It's just so overwhelming. And so that is what Jesus is. He is our light. He is the hope. He is the light of hope. And so as you go out and you, you celebrate the season, I want to encourage you to have hope and be like the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul said, don't give up. I've known many Christian casualties. And it's painful. When I see somebody who had an expectation on God and God didn't do what they wanted when they wanted and they ran away from him, that's the most painful thing I think anybody could ever experience. I, I get it. You, you, you want this so bad. And, and these are good things we're asking from the hand of our father. And he's a good, good father. And he promises to take care of his children. So we have this tension here. But God says, your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. I know more about you. I care more about you than you can even understand about yourself. So you have to have hope in who I am. And whenever we place our hope in Jesus Christ, and we place our hope there. It's not some prayer that you just rattled off. It is, I am trusting Him. See, hope is a trust. I have hope. There's a future. And it's not just, I hope so. It's not just, I think so. It is, and I am going to trust what He has done. And so as you look forward to that, look what the Apostle Paul said here. He said, this is why we never give up. We have hope. We never give up. He says, though our bodies are dying and our spirits are being renewed, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. The Apostle Paul wasn't saying that he has no troubles. He's saying compared to the hope, they're small. Like Paul was shipwrecked. Paul was thrown in jail. Paul had all kind of problems. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles that we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things that we see now will soon be gone. But the things that we cannot see will last forever. And he's talking about hope. He says, listen, you, you've got to have the hope of Christ. You have to have the hope of Christ. I, I love reading about people who, who've uh, been inspired by hope, who've been inspired by the hope of Jesus. And, and you see them, they take the hard knocks of life and their ship keeps going. And it seems like, they're, like they are unshaken by the water around them, unshaken by the storm. Why? Because they have hope. They're not looking at the waves. Folks, if you look at the waves of life, you will never move forward. You will be debilitated. You will be distraught. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, the Scripture says. You cannot look at the waves and trust God at the same time. He says, rise up your eyes and bring your eyes unto the Lord. I love Corey Ten Boom. If you ever want to read something powerful, go get 
the book by Corey Tamboom, The Hiding Place. And uh, it tells her story. Let me just read a little bit to you about Corey Tamboom. Growing up as a Christian in Holland, Corey's family decided to help the Jewish, their Jewish neighbors when World War II started, and the discrimination against the Jews grew stronger and stronger. They hid people in a secret room in their house until they could obtain safe passage out of the range of danger. But this decision wasn't without cost. Corey and her family were captured and sent to concentration camps for those who weren't Jews but aided the Jews. Separated from the rest of her family, Corey managed to stay with her older sister, Betsy, for much of their imprisonment. The atrocities they witnessed and experienced cannot be explained. Who would take prisoners of a group of innocent people merely because of their affiliation? Who would beat someone senseless because they looked the wrong direction? Who, uh, why, would, why would thousands and thousands of people be mercilessly killed? Why did Corey finally set, uh, set free? Why would Corey finally be set free on account of a clerical error when one week later all women her age in the camp were murdered? Corey couldn't understand the prisoner stories, the concentration camp, soldier stories, or her own story. How? Why? Who? But that's also the way it is with grace. And she kept coming back to the grace of God. You can't understand the grace of God. You can't understand what God is doing, but you can trust Him. And this is what she says. She says, if you look at the world... Now, this is a quote from Corey Timboom. She says, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. You see, that's the waves all around you. If you look within, you'll be depressed. And so this is where our culture said the answer is to come within and find the answer and let's bond together, right? He says, and then she says, if you look at God, you'll be at rest. So what what I got to do is I got to get my eyes off the situation, off of the circumstances and not, not just getting them off the problem and on to me. Now I have to take my eyes up to God. And I have to find rest in Him. And you only find that in the hope. And could you imagine just living in the concentration camp, day in and day out, wondering, God, where are you? What are you doing? What are you going to do, Lord? She said this about that, about having hope and continuing hope. She says, when a train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off. You sit still and trust the engineer. You see, that's what the Apostle Paul said. The Apostle Paul said, this is why we don't give up and quit. We didn't throw in the towel because things got bad, because we had calamity, because we had problems, because they threw us in jail, because I was shipwrecked, because I had no money. He says, we have hope. I have no money. I have hope. Man, listen, that's the greatest thing you could have. I wish I could put a price tag on hope. There is none. It is priceless. And so hope will not disappoint you. Hope in Christ, folks, will not disappoint you. He will never disappoint you. Oh, you may not get what you want when you want, and you may never see it in your life. There was a lady here on Wednesday night, and she stood up and she gave a testimony. And she said that for 22 years, the people of this church prayed for her husband to come to God. 22 years. Years. I remember her well. She was involved in many ministries in the church. 22 years. One day, her husband came walking in the door. We were like all blown away. She's telling the story. She says, listen, we prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. He finally came to God. 
I think he might have lived about 10 years after that and went to be with the Lord. And then she, she's testifying and just saying, listen, my hope is in Christ. And I want to thank God for what he did. My, my family came to God, but now I'm alone and, and I'm just going to, my hope is in Christ. And so, she, listen, you may not get to see that in the future. You may not get to see, you may not get to see it in your lifetime what God is doing. God is working in ways that you will never understand. Uh, imagine Isaiah. He gave the prophecy. He said, there will be a virgin that's going to have a baby. Imagine. I like, I like what the video said there. A little light. That's all it takes is a little bit to illuminate everything. Romans 5.5 5 says, and this hope will not disappoint you. This hope will not lead to disappointment. It will not lead to disappointment. Because we know how dearly God loves us. He's given us His Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. That's what He does. He says, man, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm with you. I'm going to give you hope. I've given you a bright hope and a bright future. Oh, if you go back and you read Isaiah. Go back and read Isaiah chapter 40. Oh, it's so powerful. We'll put up the last verse here. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. And we'll start there as we, roll, as we close. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the, of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. I want to encourage you. Go home today and read Isaiah chapter 40. Read the whole chapter. And read it every day this week. Because he talks and he says, listen, uh, there's one part he says, do you not understand that God moves the universe with his hand like a curtain? I'm like, whoa, why didn't I see that when I was a kid? I don't know why. How did I miss this stuff? Like, it is so powerful. He says God has the power. God sees the whole world and he sees all the people like grasshoppers. I'm like, that's pretty descriptive, right? And then he comes down. As he comes through this and he tells you how powerful he is, he says he does not faint. He does not grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Verse 29. He says he gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. Verse 30, as we go into the next one, 31. But they who wait for the Lord, read this with me. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That word wait there is really hope. Wait can be translated as hope. And I want you to catch this because as we close this morning, wait equals hope. And as you look at that hope, it, the, the, word, the, the actual word carries this idea of waiting, but it's not like patiently waiting. It's not like I'm sitting and waiting for my turn. It is to bind together. And when you think of something that binds together, as I was studying this, I'm like, what does this mean? Those who bind together. Does that mean when we bind together? No. It means when you bind together with God. When you get close to God. Those who get close to God, those who bind together with God, will renew their strength. They will get through the dark moments. That's what Christmas is all about. That's what the way in the manger is about. It starts with hope. Next week, we're going to look at another aspect. Today, I want you to catch the hope. God's got something way bigger than what you could plan. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed.
I want to invite you to Jesus. Would you just respond to him this morning and just call on him? And just just trust him. Place your faith in the hope of Christ. What he has done for you. He's, he's died on the cross. This was the, the ultimate savior. I mean, this was no, you know, when Isaiah on that dramatization, he says, oh, a tiny little. There was nothing tiny about it. Was God became flesh and made His dwelling among us, so that you may dwell with Him. If that's you here this morning, and you say, Pastor Ken, I'm ready to trust Christ, I want to invite you to pray something like this: Dear God, I need you. You died on the cross. You paid for my sin. You came back to life again for me. And God, I place my trust. My hope is in you. I invite you into my life right now. Maybe for others in this room, you need to uh, just come back to God this morning. Maybe like the song we sang that says, even when I don't see it, he's still working. Maybe like when Isaiah prophesied this and it was so dark and the people just couldn't see it, they had to trust and they placed their faith in God. Many of them never saw the fulfillment of the promise. But they had hope. And they didn't give up on the journey. I want to invite you this morning to not give up on the journey. Like maybe you're thinking about throwing in a towel. Because it's just so hard. Because there's pain. Because these things are trying. I want to invite you to Jesus. Would you surrender to the light of hope this morning? Just take a moment, and then I'm going to close in prayer. Father, be with your people this morning. I ask that you will encourage them. Thank you for the hope that we have that comes from you. God, I pray you'll transform our lives from the inside out. Give us your hope, Lord. Thank you that you gave it to us. Thank you for the way through the manger, the way in the manger. In your name we pray. Amen. This morning, it's good to see you. Let's all stand together. Would you please greet a few people around you? Stop by and get your tickets for the dessert theater. You can also get them online. Alicia has a table out there. There will be no Saturday night service due to the dessert theater, but we will be here next Sunday. God bless you. You are dismissed. Hey, it's a good day. Hey, I'm going to be going in for some surgery this week on Tuesday and Wednesday. Ooh.